here. And uh, for those that are coming for the first time, if you're a guest, we are excited to have you. There should be a card in the seat back in front of you, uh, just a new here card. We'd love for you to fill that out and uh, turn that in. There's some drop boxes on the way out on both sides as you're exiting. Um, we'd love just to be able to connect with you. Uh, our, our, our idea, our goal here is just to let everybody know that they belong. No matter what background you've come from, no matter where you've been, no matter what's going on in your life right now, you belong. This is your house, just as much as it's our house, guys. A place where we can all come together and enjoy family. And as well, come together and exalt the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So guys, again, welcome. It's great to have you. We're excited to have every single one. I uh, want to make one announcement. I do know that um, they have moved all of the goodies from the back corner, apparently to almost right out the front door. So now, apparently, fathers, you snooze, you lose. As you're leaving, it's first come, first serve. That's what I was informed. There you go. Uh, it is a true blessing to be able to, uh, to introduce Ron Corzine this morning. I was thinking back early today um, on my own father. Um, and uh, with some of, the, some of the fondest memories I have are my dad and my mom serving in a children's department called One Way Street underneath the direction of Ron and Ann Corzine. I watched my father honor and serve this man. And today, it's, uh, it's truly a blessing and an honor for me to do the same that I saw him do, and that's to honor and serve this man and woman right here. Ron Corzine, I'm excited to be able to have you speak today. Y'all give a warm welcome as he comes up and shares with us again this morning. Oh, I'm supposed to show a video. Can I not honor you? Yes. Have you come up anyway and stand here? That's not honoring. Yes. Well, don't mind me. We're going to show a quick video, and then I'm going to honor. Here we go, video. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be back in Paris. If you were here last week, then you're fully aware that uh, I'm back. I started to uh, play a trick on Corey when he got in about 140. 
got to bed about 2.30. I started to call him this morning and tell him I wasn't feeling well. <laughs> and, uh, but I can guarantee you he could have delivered. A man went to the doctor. The doctor examined him and said that you're a very, very sick man and we're going to do all that we can to help you. He released the man from the room and called his wife in. And he said, your husband's a very, very sick man and he needs special care. And he really, he's going to die if we don't help him. So he said, here's what I want you to do to work with me. I want you, when you take him home, I want you to prepare him his favorite home-cooked meal every day. After dinner, it'd be nice if you would soak his feet in warm water and rub his feet. Don't upset him. Don't nag him. Let him watch as many sports events that he would like. Look your best always around the house, appealing. She left the room, got in the car, and on the way home, he said, what did the doctor say? The doctor said, you're going to die real soon. <laughs> Marriage is a wonderful thing, trust me. I mean, 53 years. It's wonderful, wonderful. Marriage is a wonderful thing. Uh, I, I didn't say that for the applause, but it's worthy of an applause, I promise you. If not for me, for her. She gave me two Father's Day cards. The second one, I can't read to you. But the first one, it said... Marriage begins with love, and then after love, there's the ceremony and the wedding, and then after that, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> now, that's not really been the case for most of us here, I, I, I pray, but I am reminded of the guy who said, think, thinking about marriage, I'm reminded of the guy who said that marriage is kind of like a a deck of cards it begins with two hearts and a diamond and ends with two clubs and a spade <laughs> so now I've told you a few things to relax myself I know it's Father's Day happy Father's Day to all you men and I want to I want to honor the men with the message I want to I want to challenge and in a few moments, I will probably directly challenge you and uh, share with you some things that God's put in my heart. But, this just, but let me say, not only to the men, but everybody here today, how, how many of you believe your best days are in front of you? Now think about that. You know, some people wake up every day and they, oh me, oh my, this is the worst time in my life, la, la, la. But, but when we stop and think about it, Today should be the best day of your life. Oh, I, I know we go through trials and tests and tribulations, but, but, but it doesn't matter. The fact that we're alive, that we're in the, this place, that we're together, that we, 
that we have a home, a roof over our head, we have food on the table, we have uh, fairly well-disciplined children. Uh, this is a good day. And, and so I, I'm, a, I'm a very optimistic person. I don't know if you're a pessimistic or an optimistic person, but I, I actually believe, and I challenge you to believe, that, that this is the best day of your life. And I'm convinced, I really am, I'm convinced that it's today. Everybody always either talks about the past or the future, but nobody talks about today. Today can be the best day of your life. And the fact that you're here and that I'm going to share some of the Word of God, once we take and hear the Word of God and we apply it to our lives, then our lives begin to change more into the, His likeness. And that causes us to see that really not only is He good, not only is God great, but he allows us to enjoy these things, which makes today the best day of my life. Let me just say something. <clears throat> it's possible today, and I'm believing that somebody is going to hear something that's going to maybe prick their heart or whatever, their conscience or their mind. And all of a sudden inside, they're going to relate to something that the Lord says possibly through me. And in their mind, they're going to make a decision. I'm going to do that. When you make a decision, <clears throat> when you make the decision before you ever act it out or before you ever carry it out, when you make a decision, that's when the change begins. The problem is we think that change, we wait for change, to see change. No, by faith, when we receive the engrafted or implanted Word of God in our heart, we open our heart, we receive the seed, the Word of God, immediately change begins to take place and that's what gives us the strength and the power to carry out what the spirit of god was saying to us in the first place <clears throat> so i want to i want to use my text today uh in sharing with you found in the book of psalm 128 rather lengthy but not too lengthy <clears throat> psalm 128 blessed are all who fear the lord listen now carefully blessed are happy are all those who fear the Lord. That's not being afraid of the Lord now. That has to do with reverential awe, respecting the Lord, honoring the Lord. For all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him, you. Are you all? We're all. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man or the person who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see or enjoy your children's children. Peace be to Israel. I read it to my wife in the message. Your wife will bear children as a vine bears grapes. Somehow that... I don't know that every woman, especially after she's had about three or four or five kids, that is an inspiring verse. We're going to, like, yeah, like a, a vine bears grapes. So let me, let, me, let me tell you in advance what I'm going to tell you, and then I'll tell you, and then I'll tell you what I told you. I want to talk about basically three things. I want to talk a little bit about fatherhood, fathers, fatherhood, what it is, and so forth. Uh, then I want to talk about family. 
not just the natural family or the biological family, but the spiritual family that we are, how it functions, how it operates. And then I'll talk about faith. Uh, in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, listen to these words as I begin to talk to you about fatherhood. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the hearts of children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Here's a prophetic word from God that he's going to send Elijah, and Elijah is going to represent fatherhood. And God is going to use Elijah and use fathers to turn the hearts of these men, these fathers, to the Lord and to turn the heart to, to the children and to turn the hearts of the children to the Lord. How many of you know we need that today in America? Fathers, too many fathers are abdicating their responsibility and abandoning their families. Children, because of that or other reasons, not honoring and respecting their fathers. And I want to say to children today, the Bible says honor your father, it is right. It never says honor your father because he's right. No, he may be wrong. He may have treated you wrong. But God says because he helped give life to you, it's right to honor him. And because you do honor him, irregardless of how you, the treatment you may have received, the scripture says you are going to have a long and prosperous life upon the earth. God is, God is working today in a powerful way in the world. Much, if not most, of what I'm going to say the rest of my time here, I wish I could say this, but it, I'm not so sure how inspirational it's going to be. Now, that is negative, isn't it, for an optimist? But you, even if you're an optimist, you have to be truthful, Brother Russell, don't you? I mean, we've got to be honest. But here's what, here's what I wanted to do when I was sitting, putting some of these thoughts down. What I want today especially is I want to be informative. I want to not only just inform you of what the Word of God says about fatherhood, about family, about faith, I want it to be instruction that we can lay hold of and we can walk out and we can, we can practice that. I, I, I want to show you how that the natural family and the biological family, the spiritual family, and how they mirror one another. Now, in speaking about fatherhood, I, I jotted this down because this is so important because you're here today and you're a young man. You say, oh, I'm not a father. So how does this all apply to me, what you're talking about, father and fatherhood? Fatherhood is not confined to functioning as a natural father to some children. God has, called, God has called all men to have these attributes of fatherhood, whether they're married or not. Think about it. Jesus was never married, yet he's called the everlasting father. The Apostle Paul that we know of was never married, yet he refers to himself several times as the father of men and the father of churches. Fatherhood is a part of being 
a developed, fully, not just physical, but fairly emotional and spiritually developed so that he can use that maturity and that development to be the kind of man that God wants him to be. Now, let me, let me, let's talk about something you know about, uh, about how men are wired. Men are, well, don't you start filling in the blank for me now. I, I, I already saw some women starting to fill in the blank. No, 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 don't, don't be filling in the blank. But we're just going to take one thing. How's that? Men are, men are conquerors. Men want to conquer. Women, you're nurturers. By nature, you're a nurturer, and men are conquerors. And one of the reasons I believe that men, I look around and see a great number of men here today, but not, not so in all churches. Uh, I think one of the reasons men become, men become bored with church is they come to church and they don't see anything to conquer. They're, they're, there's nothing to shoot here. There's not a putting green or a long drive. And so if, if there's nothing to, to win, to, to conquer, something to take over, something to possess, something to control, they don't see much purpose in it. Uh, I think that's the same reason that sometimes men become bored in their marriage to one woman. And the reason is because they see, they see things as property and ownership. That's, I'm just, if, you, if you don't know that, that's the way men think. This is, this is my property. I own this. I possess this. This is mine. I conquered this. I claim this. And they feel that way even about their wife. Well, I've already... Man, I already captured her. I've already won her over. I've already fooled her. We have the license to prove it. And so therefore, if he doesn't continue to honor Scripture and what God says about her, then he gets bored and he wants to go conquer or capture something else. Now this, what I'm trying to say today is this message, you know, special day messages, Corey, are not easy to preach and I thought I, when, I, when I started putting these thoughts down on paper I thought what I don't want to do God forbid I don't want this to be a message of trying to correct men and, and if, it is, if it comes out that way I'm sorry because I, I really don't want to correct you I want to challenge you and I want to challenge me to be the men and the fathers that God has called us to be now, rarely about men, you women know this, rarely do we men recognize the need to conquer ourselves. Yeah, go ahead. That's true, I admit. I want to conquer others. Sometimes I, I'm trying to use the word, whether I want to use the word sometimes or all the time. Sometimes I want to control and yet I know in my heart what God really wants me to control is my own desires, my own thoughts, my own selfish ambition. 
That's where I need to work on. That's what I need to work on. Changing and controlling and conquering myself. It's so important for, it really is important I, for, for all of us, but men especially since I'm talking to you today, to know what your purpose is. Knowing your purpose, oh, it's so important. When we don't know our purpose, here's what happens. When you don't know what you're here for, then you throw off all restraint. You have no focus. You're distracted. Uh, and then what happens when you throw off restraint and you lose your purpose and you lose focus of your purpose? Then we begin to experience unnecessary problems because we've lost our focus. When you lose your focus, then you begin to see everything as a problem. And I'll tell you something else it does. It, it also, we, we experience undue and excessive temptations. If, you don't, if you're not doing your purpose and you're not functioning and concentrating what God put you here for, let's say to be a man, to be a husband, to be a father, to be a provider, if, if you're not focusing and taking responsibility for what God has called you to in your purpose, one of the things that happens to you is, is, is a lot of unnecessary temptations come your way. And you start seeing this, and you start seeing that, and you, you see this opportunity. That's why we need to be focused. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. That's what I heard today. That's what I sung today. That is the truth and the reason we need to know our purpose. Well, there's a great need today for godly fathers, men who understand and fulfill their primary purpose. So that's a little bit about fatherhood. That's the way we're wired. We're wired to conquer, but we're also wired to have vision and to know what God has called us to and to be about the Father's business in allowing him to change our lives so we can become better men and better fathers. Let me talk about the family a little bit. Let's talk about the family. The biological family or the natural, the biological, let me use biological, the biological family and the spiritual family really complement and they mirror one another. I used to say that the, 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 the church is a cameo of the family. And then I realized, look, God instituted both. God instituted marriage so that we could reproduce and there could be a biological family. But God also instituted the church. And so both are important to God. If these two institutions are the institutions that God established, then they must be vitally important, the family and the church. The church needs to be the church. The family needs to be the family. And they need to mirror one another in how we function and how we operate and how we work together. Now, now let me, this, I told you it's informative, right? And this is important more than just to me. It ought to be important to you because when I talk to you about how the family operates or should operate according to Scripture, I can't do that without telling you how the other institution, the church family, the spiritual family ought to operate. And so what we have is Scripture found in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 13. Now listen to this. It's it's going to get heavy, heavy. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. This is Bible I'm reading. In fact, it's New Testament. 
I want you to understand something, okay? That Christ is the head of every man, and man is the head of the woman. Corey's already shaking down there. Will I have a church when he leaves? And God is the head of Christ. So we're talking about headship. He used it three times. Christ is the head of God. Man's the head of the woman. Christ is the head of every man. Headship. Headship. It has to do with authority. It has to do with power. But primarily, it has to do with authority. It also has to do with provision. If the man is the head of the wife, he's head of her as a provider. He's her head as her protector. What do you do? What, what do you need? Why do we have umbrellas? To protect our head to cover our head why you get out in the rain and you don't have your head exposed you could get sick and die we cover y'all with me we cover our head because the head is the source of where everything begins to operate and move and how it operates and how it moves Jesus was here God was his head protect to protect you get on a motorcycle if you got a half a brain you'll put a helmet on if you don't you'll lose that other half <laughs> football players today wear helmets they got more rules in football now about hitting the head why you, you you're getting the point right the head is important and so when Paul comes along and says that the head of man is Christ the head of Christ is God and also man is the head of the woman what does the head give or what does the head provide let's talk about this and it's going to be much more we could have conversation and dialogue if we had time and you would share with me some things that I'm not going to cover today that the head provides or the head gives but the head gives clarity we get clarity from, from here, the, the, the thoughts that come to our mind. The head, the, head receives, the head receives instruction, and the head gives instruction. The head receives direction, and the head gives direction. So when you apply that to, to, to God and Christ, Jesus was here as a man, and the Father gave him instructions the father gave him direction. The father told him where to go, what to do. That's why all of a sudden Jesus, oh, well, wait a minute, I heard something. I must need to go through Samaria. You don't go through Samaria. Not Jews. Jews don't go through Samaria. That's Gentile here. No, no, but, but I heard something from the father. The father wants to change my direction. I must needs go through Samaria. Why, why, why Samaria? Because he's going to meet a woman at a well and she's going to get converted. So the head... God gives direction, he gives instruction, 
He gives clarity. So, if man is the head of the woman, he is a provider and he is a protector and he hears from the Lord as the head and he gives, he, he gives instruction. He, 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 he brings clarity. He gives direction for the household. It doesn't mean he's Lord over her. It doesn't mean he's a controller. It doesn't mean he's dominant or domineering. He, it's not that he's macho. It's, it's a, look, authority uh, comes from the headship has to do with authority, and authority equals responsibility. See, that's why I would say to the ladies sometimes, you ought to thank God you're not the head. Because along with that headship and along with that authority comes responsibility, and therefore it would be your primary responsibility in order to provide, to protect, and to do as well as nurture. Are, are y'all okay? I know this is not your assault message, but this is important because I, I tell you, once we understand and grasp this, it's going it, it begins to whether we know it or not, subconsciously it begins to work within us, and we begin to see things at our job, the way it operates. We begin to see things in in our in our school board, in our community. We begin to see things in government. We begin to see things everywhere, and how that they are they how that they are out of divine order talk about headship and and authority and speaking and being domineering as I said a while ago or controlling uh I heard the Lord say probably several times, but I'm just going to say one time. I heard the Lord say uh, when I was unloading on my wife, I heard him say, this is scary. He said, you know you're talking to my daughter there, don't you? I thought I'd conquered her. I thought she was my possession. I thought I could do. The Lord said, no, 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 no. I just let you borrow her. You can enjoy her. It's my daughter. And if you're a father and somebody messing with your daughter, you know exactly what I heard from the Lord. Uh, I remember another time, I, I was thinking Anna and I was having a fight. She doesn't fight. And that's what ticks me off. <laughs> that, that just ticks me off, right? Big, because she won't fight. And I have to do all the fighting. And I get tired fighting with her when she won't fight back. And that, you know, that just makes you mad. When you say something, they won't say something back. And you, because you have a, something to say back to you, if she'd say something, you, you know how it goes. And I, I was, anyway, we, I had a fight. <laughs> and I was, I was 
There's several words I could use here, but ticked is the best one. How's that? I was ticked. Man, I was angry. I walked out, I walked out the front door, and I slammed it, and I got in the car, and I was driving down the street, and here this voice talks to me again. You know? He said, where are you going? I said, to Bible study. <laughs> he said, like that? You're going like this? She probably doesn't remember it because I've had to apologize so many times through our marriage. That was just one of the many times that got another an apology. That's what the head gives, provides, among many things. It, clarity, instruction, direction, protection, provision. The biological family is so vital today. And I, I understand when I speak today, it's not like speaking 50 or 75 or 100 years ago. Because today we have blended families. We have single mom single dad, parents, uh, it, it's not the same. And so when I talk, it, it, it's, it's hard to cover every aspect, but the, that's why I say to a single mom, if I say fatherhood and fathers are important, and they are, if your father is dead and your husband has abandoned you and you're a single mom raising a child, that child needs fatherhood ministry, protection, provision, oversight, helping, coming alongside to help you. That's why you need the church. Because God put in the church fathers. He put fathers in the church. Men who are growing, learning, maturing, developing, becoming what they ought to be. And, that, and when you go to the church and you find godly Notice I emphasize you find godly men whose hearts are after God. They can help give you and come alongside you and help your child with what that child needs from fatherhood ministry. We're talking about family. We're talking about fatherhood today. I'm reminded of what Paul said, and I, I believe it was 1 Corinthians 4.15. Yes, it is. It's 1 Corinthians 4.15. I'm sure they'll put it on the board. But look here. He said, for even if you had 10,000 instructors, even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, which I preach the good news to you. Now, what Paul says, he's, saying, he's talking to the church. Paul is not married. No record of Paul being married. And yet Paul is saying, you may have, he's speaking to the church, you may have 10,000 people come through here and teach. But you don't have many fathers. Most of us, most of us, I guess all of us have one father. We could go in, we could, we could break all this down. But the fact is, there is, there is father. And Paul says, I'm not just, a, I'm not your natural or biological father, but I am your spiritual father. I'm your spiritual father. So look, for all my life, most of my life, I pastored a church. And then one day, a group of men who were much older and wiser called me aside, and they, they said to me, we see something in you more than just a pastor or a shepherd. We think and we believe that God has told us you're an apostle. 
Now, my, this Baptist boy knew the Bible enough to know that all the apostles was dead and I was still alive. Now, how can I be an apostle if apostles are dead and here I am alive? But then they began to instruct me in the more perfect way of the Lord. And they said, look, Ron, what is in you? God has made you a spiritual father in the body of Christ. He's put, he's put his character and his nature of fatherhood in you. And he's been developing you through many generations passed down from father to grandfather to great-grandfather. He's put this stuff in you, and he's made you a spiritual father. And uh, so, therefore, we believe you're an apostle. Well, no, look, uh, go back to apostle. There's no more apostles today, living, original apostles, but what he was saying, what Paul is saying here, and I'm going to read that scripture in just a moment. What, what Paul was saying was, you have the function of an apostle. This is the way you operate. This is the way you think as a, as a spiritual father, as an apostle. Apostle usually is one who plants churches and oversees churches and raises up spiritual sons and daughters and sends them out to start churches. Paul had Timothy. Paul had Titus. Paul was sending out people all the time to plant churches. You know how Corey got here? Do you all know how Corey got here? This is not boastful. We're just giving you information. You know how Corey and Melissa got here? You think they just drove down the road one day, pulling a U-Haul and pulled into the church up here and said, hey, we'd like to be y'all's pastor. It didn't happen like that. This church had a pastor. In fact, he helped me before he went to be with the Lord. He helped me bring this man here. Corey was in South Texas in a church, happy as he could be. Well, I guess he's happy as he could be. I don't know how happy he was. I, I didn't care. I, I didn't care. Well, what I know is I needed a pastor in Paris, Texas, of about 40 people. We were without a pastor. And I said to Corey, as an apostle, an overseer, I said, Corey, Melissa, do y'all want to go to Paris? And I'm glad they said yes, because it would have been, it would have been, it would have looked bad on me to make them come here. <laughs> they willingly claimed, came because God had prepared their hearts. Are, are y'all still following me? The, the reason I'm giving you a little instruction, Father, is instruction and information today, it, it helps us conceive what we've got here and how that all of this didn't just happen. You, 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 you may have showed up and it was like this, but it wasn't like this always, was it, Miss Russell? It wasn't always like this, was it? For years and years and years, it was so far from this. This just didn't happen. This took a spiritual family that was led by spiritual fathers. Listen to what these, this is what God gave to you. I didn't say this, it's what Paul said. Now these are gifts, gifts, he calls gifts. These are gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. There's that word again, their responsibility. Goes with authority, goes with headship. Their responsibility is to train or to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son 
that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. It's called the five-fold ministry. This is what he did. God gave these gifts men, and he gave them headship. He gave them authority, and with that authority, he gave them responsibility. That's in the church. That's the same thing that happened. That's why God put the man, husband, as head over the wife so he could take the responsibility. Who's responsible for this church here? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? You want to know? Oh, I, 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 I want to help you know. Who, 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 who's, respon who's responsible for this thing? I mean, we get to come and sit down in air conditioning and enjoy it. And yeah, you say, well, I, I, put, I, put, I put some money in that thing. Well, okay. Nobody held a gun to your head. You didn't have to do it. Right? Are y'all still with me? Uh, so here we are. Who's responsible for this? Well, let me tell you who's responsible for this right here. We're talking about the provision and even the protection. I bequeath thee, Corey. I, that bequeath, that's not the right word, is it? Is that okay? Corey, I give this to you. And Greg, I give you to Corey to come alongside and help. And other men that God has joined as well who have, who, who, who have poured their life into here. Responsibility. So who's the head of this church? Christ is. Okay, let's see. Well, what about man? No, Christ is the head of the church. Nobody's arguing that. But who is the head of man? Christ. It's, it's, it's trickle-down authority from God. God to Jesus, Jesus to man, man to wife, husband and wife to children. Now, let me just say a little bit about this church that you may not know. We are, we are not a denominational church. We're, we're an independent, non-denominational church. Now, what does that mean? It means we're not democratic. It means we don't vote. You've already found that out if you've been here very long. We don't vote. We just take the fatherhood responsibility and we provide for you as God sees you, his spiritual children. Can you imagine? I, I had a man one time tell me, we need to vote in our church. Who do you think you are, you and these men telling us? We need to vote. I said, let me ask you a question, sir. I said, uh, when, go, when you take the family out on Friday night, do y'all vote and you, where are you going to eat? Because if you do, your, your kids are going to outvote you and you're going to end up at Peter Piper's. <laughs> Every time you let your kids vote, they'll vote Peter Piper's. They'll vote McDonald's. They'll vote anything but where you want to go. Look, and I'm just going to make a big, broad statement and just let it just drop on you. Look what voting has got us into. <laughs> You'll have to take some heat for that one. <laughs> God 
has placed in this body, this is an apostolic, we don't put it on the sign, we function that way. This is an apostolic, five-fold ministry, I just read it to you. This is an apostolic New Testament church. God has made me, I didn't make myself, he made me the apostle. It was confirmed by many witnesses and men of God who are patriarchs. And he gave me the authority, the headship, the oversight of this body. So look, I'm your grandpa. He may be daddy of the house, but I'm grandpa. You say, well, why are you telling us? Why is this all important? I'll tell you why. Have you ever seen a family begin to break down and crumble and fights and splits? How, how's all that? Who all, who all works? It, usually before, it, 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 it's a mess. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's a mess in the family when there's no authority, when nobody has oversight, when nobody can speak into the situation. Let me tell you something. Whether you know it or not, you're, you're in a good place. You're in a safe place because you are in a place where if Corey, God forbid, and I don't ever see it happening, but if Corey ever messed up, guess who's coming? Grandpa. Now, Grandpa, he loves his... He loves his he, he loves to go, Corey. Grandpa loves him. But I, I don't know how many of you know about grandpas. You say, well, they're just, they just let, they let their kids get away with anything. Well, maybe so in the, some families. But listen, not in this family. He knows that. I know that. I wouldn't find joy in doing that. But to preserve and protect the whole, sometimes you have to deal with individuals. You, Splits. What about church splits? Well, this person said that, and they want this, and they want... Look, I want to, I'm not boasting. I'm giving you facts today. This ministry, our, it's Christian Fellowship International, Christian Fellowship Churches. It's not a long time, but we've been doing this for 40 years. That's, that's quite a long time for not to have a church split. We've been doing this, and we've been operating with this type of headship and this type of government, and it's provided safety and provision for the people. And they, the people that, all the people that I know that go to Christian Fellowship Church, and there's a lot of them, they're happy because they don't have the responsibility of making this thing work. They can come and enjoy and be equipped and be trained and be nurtured and they can grow spiritually without having to resolve all the issues and problems that arise on a regular basis. This is not a poor me message. This is help you to think about what we have here. That's why we, not just us, but it's why we need to protect it. We need to guard it. We need to shelter it. We need to, we need to say, this is good. God has given us something good here. And we need to get along as brothers and sisters. And we need to love one another. And we need to, we need to hear God. And we need, to, we need to fully submit and understand and receive the, the, the direction and the instruction and the clarity that comes from the headship.
Can they be wrong? Yes. But they also can be confronted for clarification. Well, I think I'm about through. Let me see. Let me think. Did I miss anything, Corey? Let me tell you something about you, you men. Father's Day. Every apostle is a spiritual father. It's one of the qualifications. Every father, every apostle is a spiritual father. He has the heart of a spiritual father. But not every spiritual father is an apostle. I say that to say, not all you men, maybe not any of you, I don't know, I don't know you that well. Not any, let's say, of you men are apostles. But you are spiritual fathers. Or you are to be becoming a spiritual father. One who will receive instruction from older, mature, spiritual fathers. Receive divine instruction and walk it out and grow and mature and develop. And some of you men don't see yourself as a spiritual father because you're looking at what you do. You're concentrating and focused on what you think, what you see, what you say. You're looking at all the externals of your performance, and you're saying, I can't be a spiritual father because I got too many hang-ups. And if you only knew some of the things, if you only knew some of the things, I would never. And I'm here to challenge that today and say, inside of you, there is a spiritual man. His name is Christ Jesus, and he and you are one. And he wants to raise you up because he wants to be raised up in the earth. And if he's raised up in the earth, he said he would draw all people to himself. God wants you, regardless of your performance, God can change all that. See, once you belong, then you can behave. But if you don't feel like you have a part and you don't feel like you belong, you'll never change your behavior. And I want to challenge every man in this room to receive what I started with today. Your best days are in front of you. Because some man, some men in this room have heard what I've said today. And they said, you know what? I know that I'm not the father of this house. But I am a spiritual father in this house. And I've been brought here by God to grow and learn under Pastor Corey how to be the best man and the best husband and the best father I can be. And I'm here to walk alongside him and hold up his arms and help him as we develop a community of believers in this place that's never been the likes of before. Now, here's what I want to do. I was going to talk about faith, but... Y'all know about faith, right? Abraham believed and received God, and it was accounted to him for, for righteousness. When we believe what God says, when you, if you can grasp and believe in your heart what I've shared with you from Scripture, and you take hold of that, then God says, you now, I've made you righteous. I have put in you the ability to be everything I've called you to be. So what I want to do today, I think I want to do this, Corey. I don't know how many real well i don't know how many men will take me up on this but grandpa's leaving in a little while and he'd like to pray for every father in the house 
or every potential father, if you're not a father now, but you're a man and you see yourself as a potential father someday, I wonder if you would just be willing to stand up and just walk right down here. We're going to close all the men right here. That'll come. And I'm going to pray over you. You don't have to come, no. If, you, if, you, if you're new here, you don't need to be embarrassed if you say in your seat. You don't need to be embarrassed if you come. This is not to embarrass anybody. I just want to bless you. I just want to bless you. Oh, my God, this is awesome. Usually the average church today have 40% men, 35% men, and 65 to 70% women. It's good. It's good. I'm telling you, I've seen... I've seen quite a bit in 50 years of ministry, and what I'm seeing now is good. This is good. What God said to you today, take hold of it, and then go home and read that Psalm 128. Prosperity and blessings is yours as you receive the word. Let's pray. Ladies, stretch your hand out to these men. Ask God to fill them, to empower them, to be the men that they've been called to be. Father, I thank you today for C.F. Paris. I thank you for putting this place here and these people here. Thank you for the building. Yes, today is even two years we've been in this building. Awesome. I look around, it's awesome. Two years ago, it wasn't here. Thank you, Father, for the building, even the place that we get to assemble. Now, Father, I want to thank you for every one of these men standing here. You know their struggles. You know their weaknesses. You know their excuses. I pray today, Lord, that you would just rid them of all these things and tell them how you see them, how valuable they are. They do have worth, and they can be what you've called them to be. It's progressive, Lord. Begin the work. Let the work go on in their lives. Bless them as husbands. Bless them as fathers. Bless them as businessmen. Prosper the fruit of their hands. Bless them financially. Give them good health so they can live long on the earth and be that godly example to their children and their grandchildren. Let them enjoy their grandchildren. Let them enjoy all the things that you provided for them. So I bless them. We bless them. We say thank you for them, Father. We stand with them today. Not above them, not beneath them. We stand with them today. We stand with them today, Father. In Jesus' name. Would all of you stand to your feet, please? Everybody lift your hands to the Lord. May the Lord bless you. Continue to bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May grace and love and mercy be yours as you leave this place today in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. have a great week.